Okay, here we go. Right now, soccer to the max. I'm sorry we are a day late, but, well, I mean, sometimes it just happens that way. <laughs> We're a day late, so we aren't going to go, like, super deep into decision day like I was planning to do, but we'll still uh, hit some some good stuff about MLS decision day as the, now the playoffs are set. Um, thankfully, they're not happening, like, right away, so we'll get some time to do, like, a more kind of preview uh, when we get to that week. Uh, but there's some other things to talk about here. We got the USMS National Team squad being named NWSL playoffs have uh, already started in earnest. We have big surprise from Fox regarding the UEFA rights for everything and what's <laughs> happening with that. And, of course, um, some other news involving some former FIFA delegates and. Of course, our Manchester United, Manchester United moment is going to wait till the end, and we have some other things to tack on to that, too. So let's start, because it just pretty much happened, although, again, we would have wished to be able to be a little bit right on the button uh, with yesterday, but we missed, but we're still going to talk about it here. And before we do that, of course, got to introduce the man that's always here with me, Mr. Eric Watkins. I'm always treated to a mixed bag. I keep saying every year, one helps, and the other one just drags me down. That's exactly where I was going to go here uh, with this, uh, Eric, as you're the only one out of us that has has teams involved, uh, as FC Dallas were long eliminated a while ago. But uh, we do have to talk about that game a tiny bit because a very important, uh, famous person decided to make a big statement after the game. Let's start with, I uh, guess, what hits close to home here. I guess the the hope of one team that when they beat Toronto uh, 3-1 uh, with Ola Kamara getting a, uh, getting a penalty uh, is able to, at that point, you think possibly win uh, the Golden Boots. Unfortunately for him, he ends up in a tie. And we'll get to that in a little bit with uh, what NYCFC did. But So DC does the job. They do the business. They do what they got to do. House um, on fire in the first half. They pretty it, much took the first 45, locked it down, and like, all right, we'll see what happens next. Uh, yeah, definitely. They did what uh, they came to do. I mean, and that was the thing with uh, – I'm sitting here. I, I had actually taken, taken some <laughs> big notes for all these games here <laughs> while you were doing your, your, uh, your, other, your other show uh, with uh, talking about uh, League of Legends. So, like, you know, you had that set-piece goal from Birnbaum. You know, you had Kamara with the penalty, which that was definitely to argue uh, with that. And then, of course, they get the goal later. You know, Toronto pulls one back at a point that doesn't really matter. DC is going to win. So you have that, mm-hmm. right? But then, of course, you also have what you know is a for sure thing with Orlando. Going in, they have a really tough game against Montreal, who Montreal wins. They have an opportunity to get into the playoffs. So that is a game that is... Uh, huge when we're talking about playoff seating and just who gets in and everything else. And then, you know, you look at that and you go, Sebastian Mendes, sir. <laughs> hats off, hats off to you with that amazing goal. Uh, I mean, I wish we could show it. It's one of those that like you just catch it off the volley in the air, in the air, and then just absolutely skies it with a rainbow shot. The rainbow shot almost over the keeper. That was uh, pretty beautiful awesome. one-touch chip 
Oh, it warmed yeah. my heart so much. Oh, no. And then I had to feel a little bit uh, hard for Daryl DK. Not only does he not make the US Men's National, which we'll talk about later, he, t- man, he had to go through a rough, absolutely criminal tackle by Camacho with that two-footed. And uh, glad that they just he just did a red card immediately. There was no doubt about that one. No. When you're coming in, again, like a two-foot in the way that kind of slide, I'm thankful that Daryl wasn't terrible. Hey, I, I thought we were going to get a, like what happened with a Liverpool with Keita, where we're oh, going to yeah. talk about him breaking a leg or something like that, the way yeah. he came in. I, I was relieved in that sense, but the referee, you just saw, he saw the right thing. He's like, you know what? It's a red. You're done. Another sigh of relief because I figure... Maybe we still have that shot at a first-round home match. We go ahead. We take care of business. We wrap that one up. But, oh. At least he can get some vengeance at the end of the brace. So, you know. It's, it's, uh, it's good. Orlando does officially make it, and they clinch that sixth seed. So Orlando makes it in. for. Unfortunately, due to some events here with Nashville and New York Red Bull. Within the first minute, Fabio scores the goal right in front. Actually pretty good for him to bring it down the way he did. And then you think he gets some relief with Mukhtar with an almost Olympico free kick, almost to the side of the goal, uh, getting it in. You draw 1-1 at that point. You're, you're wishing, hoping that Nashville can get that second goal. It just never comes in. Red Bull get the, the draw at that point. And just enough to eke in that seventh spot, thus eliminating DC United and eliminating Columbus as well, who had gone and done the business. One point. One, point. One single point. Only time I was actually rooting for Nashville, knowing what could have happened. But I mean, now with this matchup in the first round, it makes my life easier. Yeah, Orlando-Nashville should be an interesting firecracker of a game. Nashville, of course, the only team, uh, I think, is it MLS history that has gone the entire season without losing a home game. Uh, So that is going to be a tough one uh, to deal with. But you know what they say about records. They're always meant to be broken. Exactly. In in the postseason, they don't matter. Yeah, we'll definitely see. I mean, it does matter as far as who gets to host the game, right? So True. Um, you know, you only get that one game now to go forward. So we'll we'll definitely talk about, you know, actually talking about the actual games and everything when we get to that uh, week. But just, uh, you know, again, Nashville locks it up, but they are not able to go any further than what they do, which is third, thanks to that draw. Because in the other game between NC and NYCFC and uh, Philadelphia, a uh, nasty tackle by it's not nowhere near as bad as the Camacho one. No, but no, Gideon Salalam so catches a uh, Union player bad on the ankle. You can see the ankle kind of tuck in. It looks bad. They have to go back to VAR to review it. He gets a red card. So NYCFC is down to ten men with about at least like sixty minutes left in the game. That already puts them, you know, makes it difficult. Philadelphia then scores with like almost a walk-in goal uh, not too much later. And you're looking at Philadelphia. Oh, they're going to get this. But who comes up trumps but the man of the hour, the man with the golden boot who winds up winning the tiebreaker with Camaro thanks to eight assists due to Camaro's five with a header out of nowhere, just absolutely beating everyone to get that header to put it in and get the point for NYCFC. Also get the point for 
the Union to put them just above uh, Nashville and give them the second spot right underneath you know New England, who actually lost into Miami, but that game doesn't matter at all. So, um, but still, the Union. Lucky for them to only uh, – they probably should have got the three points considering that, you know, you're playing against a man down. But they got the point. They still got second. And I guess that's the best they could really hope for at that point. So Jim Curtin doing the job. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're managing the best at that point. Yeah, you're trying with those final margins getting advantages against a 10-man team. But when you have this in this decision, they hunger knowing what's up for grabs for everybody. Just like with that header, sometimes the ball bounces perfectly. You time your run, there goes the magic result. But in the end, as you said, it was just enough. Yeah, I mean, talking about magic results, I forgot to mention this when we were talking about Red Bull and Nashville. Red Bull, you know what that was, Eric? That tie that they got, that draw for Nashville against Red Bull? That was their first time they didn't win a game in, <laughs> like, I think seven games for that. They went through a miracle stretch to get to the point that they were to be able to make the playoffs. And we talk about what matters sometimes with playoffs is how you coming in, you oh, coming yeah. in hot. And the way that they were able to change their formation, like after the all-star break and everything, the way that that team's been playing, it's, it's uh let's see what happens now when you go into that first game against Philly. Could they actually get an upset? Maybe. I mean, you're coming in hot. You don't have any pressure coming in. It's a seventh seed as compared to one of the top teams with the supporter shield. This could be something, something dangerous. Yeah, and Atlanta, of course, always for the dramatics. Uh, since he scores first, actually a, a pretty nice goal um, from uh, Zegel Bailey getting a back heel as he's skirting the end, as he's skirting that t- that. Uh, 18-yard box and is able to just smack it in. But then, of course, Atlanta, using that talent that they have, the the uh, amazing talent they have, Miles Robinson, who's always somebody you got to watch for when it comes to corners, hitting that header in. And then, of course, who else? Who else? The Venezuelan wonder, Joseph Martinez, <laughs> pulling an absolute rabbit out of the hat in freaking midair, just being able to slot it into the net like that, to smack. I mean, like that is – when you talk about goals of the week, goals of the year, that is one of the ones you need to go back and watch. It's absolutely amazing what Joseph Martinez is able to do on that and gets Atlanta the 2-1 win, securing their spot where they are in, in fifth. So they're going to go and uh, battle it out uh, in their game against uh, – yeah, I think it's the, NYCFC. It's NYCFC, yep. yeah. So it's NYCFC. So here's the playoffs for the East right now. You have New England's got the bye, of course. And then you have, of course, we've mentioned Red Bull in Philadelphia. We have uh, Nashville at home against Orlando. And then NYCFC at home against, uh, you know, in Yankee Stadium against Atlanta. So those are your three matchups in those first that first round. And, of course, those will go parallel. I think it's the 20th, 21st, 22nd, 23rd is when all those matchups. Um, I don't think they've actually done the TV schedule yet. They just have the matchups right now. So I'll right. get the TV like schedule a- in a little bit, you know, in a few days or so. So moving over to the West side of things, Eric, just for one second, got to talk about FC Dallas San Jose. Finishes 1-1. Wondolowski, Chris Wondolowski, the ever eternal Chris Wondolowski, at 38 years old, gets the goal. And then he has the big announcement at the end that he is officially retiring from 
uh, the game of soccer, the game of football. I mean, people are going to probably remember, you know, the miss in the World Cup and all of the other things. But, I mean, when you talk about legends of Major League Soccer, when you talk about legends of U.S. soccer, period, it's hard to argue Chris Wondolowski is one of the best strikers in one of- 171 MLS schools. Let that sink in for just a moment. 171 and finishes one for the road to get to that number as well. Like, yeah. I mean, he could have kept playing. He could have been kept yeah. being a super sub and played next oh, yeah. year. And maybe they make it to the playoffs. You know, you never know. But, but I mean, it, it's something like this. He knew this was the right time. I he had an fantastic run. Shame it wasn't a little bit more successful on some ends. But hey, kudos, just flat out. Kudos. Yeah, certainly. I mean, it's. Uh, that that is a a testament to someone that has he never I you would say oh man he never got like these big chances to mm-hmm. to go to Europe or whatever but you know what he stuck by MLS he played in and and just was an absolute warrior that entire time that he's there in Major League Soccer and I mean we're talking about somebody that could you know go on and be a coach go on and do a lot of things and when we're talking about oh man. Best ever U.S. soccer players. Maybe you could name a bunch more than him, but when you're talking about Major League Soccer, you got to put him up there in that upper echelon easily, of, of players. Easily in that short, short list. So we go from that honoring a legend of, of MLS to looking at this crazy, crazy Western Conference, and it all came down to one game to flip a lot of teams here. Real Salt Lake, who had done everything possible to get to this moment of you don't win, you're out. Mm-hmm. And they waited to the last possible second. <laughs> 95th minute. And who else? Uh, Kirlek, who has been absolutely amazing for, um, you know, Real Salt Lake this year, off a bicycle kick just to kind of like leave it in there. <laughs> and that's it. He knocks it in. And it, it's... It's crazy. Like at that point, Ralph Lake was out. That was it. They were done. And then he gets it at the last possible moment. He decided, oh, no, we're not. <laughs> yeah, no, we're not. And RSL is in. But there is controversy that Peter Ramiz was livid about a possible handball there in about the 89th minute. That, of course, this affects Sporting KC because they could have gone top of the Western Conference with a win here. Of course, that's on them, too, right? They had their oh, chances, yeah. they didn't score. Now, the controversy is that it's one of those where he's sliding, mm-hmm. right? And so the hand is sort of up, but is it extended? Is he really trying to keep the ball from going in at any point? It, the thing that Peter Ramiz had a problem with, and I understand, and I think that when you have such a controversial decision, such late in the game, where do you land on the whole, well, it is up to the referee. Do we always need to have a VAR check? Like, let's say, right, like the NFL, right? When you have right. a decision like that. You're right. always kind of going to the, do you feel like you always need to have a bar check or should it be at the respect of the referee of saying, well, I didn't think there was a handball there, so why am I checking? Well, I mean, in some cases like this, for a handballs, I would lean towards yes, because you know the rule is the hand in what is considered an unnatural. And when you see it yourself, as you mentioned the slide, you say, all right, how far when you're sliding along does your hand have to be up? to be considered a natural position. So having an extra set of eyes with that VAR official, I don't mind that in that situation. Yes, it's going to take a while. That's easily three, four minutes of conferring and back and forth. 
But if you at least to make sure, okay, we had our conference, we checked this, double checked this, then you make that call. There's still going to be controversy, but the arguments are going to be limited. Whereas if you just leave it in the referee, all on that particular ref's head, it's just going to go into. Yeah, and I think, I mean, obviously, get to it. He met Peter Reese-Benson in the press conference, but the bigger reason why this is a big deal is not only does it affect Sporting KC, obviously, going top, but because the draws, draw, I think, at that point, gets them level with Seattle, but they don't really do anything, right? So, mm-hmm. but had they been up 1-0, that changes things. Right. Does this deflate Real Salt Lake to the point where they don't get that goal? Uh, or does it encourage them to the point where they get the goal, let's say, early in stoppage time, and they go through what, like, Valencia did, right? Where they mm-hmm. had enough time to possibly go get a second one. We don't know, but let's say most likely, probably what would have happened is Sporting KC goes on to win if, say, they do happen to get the penalty, but again, penalty's not penalty no. is like sort of like a free throw. It's yeah. not a guarantee. You could easily miss. So, the exactly. could have been saved. And then what? You save a penalty, that's much more inspiration for RSL to go ahead and get the job done. Right, but also that time that you have to waste doing that penalty and everything else. Mm-hmm. Who knows? Who knows what happens at that point? It's a different five or even six, seven, eight minutes at that point that you have to Absolutely. Give. So you know, there's a lot of stuff that can happen there. I get it. Peter Ramiz can be upset, but you're still going to the playoffs. At this yeah. We also, like, again, should have been in the position. You had two other games that you could. All you had to do was win or get points off of, and you didn't do either one of those. And then you got lucky here. But either way, they're in the playoffs right now. But the big problem is who you have knocked out of the playoffs. So that's the LA Galaxy. Of course, they could have done something to change their fortunes as well. If they would have actually gone out and won this game against United, but they did not. They go and draw. It takes an own goal from Julian Araujo, a goal from Anu uh, pretty early on uh, as well. And then Chicharito coming back with two goals on on his end to draw 3-3. They can't do enough to get the win. And pretty much right there, right when they when the when the whistle blows, not too long after they find out about the RSL thing. And that means their season ends. No playoffs for the Galaxy. Got to be a pretty big disappointment, right? Huge disappointment. And especially not just for LA Galaxy, just for the past couple of seasons at LA Market in general. All this hype, you know, bringing in Chicharito for Galaxy and then the immediate success of LAFC. And now uh, at some point you're getting a lot of like big moments, but then... You have to have that level of cons- and especially for Galaxy getting back to their old winning contending ways. Now it's like, okay, you're just getting more and more underwhelming. Yeah, and if you're going to say underwhelming, that was LAFC. Colorado absolutely whooped them. Just absolutely owned them in this game. 5-2. And it could have been more, honestly. It could have been more. That yeah, game was, was ugly. a beating. And this is LAFC with a playoff chance. And they don't look like they're up for it at all just Colorado just absolutely took them out of the game kept coming kept coming with that killer instinct and credit to them they go top with all the decisions uh so I mean credit to uh <coughs> the coach Frazier for absolutely doing what he could with that team this year and obviously Bruce Arena is going to get coach of the year for the record break and everything but if you're talking about coach of the year in the west nobody deserves it more than Mr. Frazier there for what they did with Colorado they don't have any big stars. 
you know, they have, they have Cohen Acosta and they have Jonathan Lewis up there and everything, but it's not anything really like, oh my God, I'm really watching Colorado for this, right? Exactly. So, I mean, you it's have crazy. Like those two, but it's mostly no names. And with what they've been the past couple of seasons to go and do this, yeah. personally, he would get my vote for coach of the year over Bruce Arena. And the major reason why they can be happy with that is because Seattle goes up to Vancouver. And of course, as is the fashion with that rivalry, uh, the whole Cascadia thing, they are not able to get more than a goal on uh, on Vancouver. And there were several times where Freddie Montero had to say went off the line. There was uh, This was a proper, proper derby here, proper, just a lot going on. So intense, so passionate, so many things happening. Uh, just this was one game to definitely watch. And man, I brought the goods. So Vancouver and Seattle both get through with that draw. Seattle, of course, had the chance to remain top of the West. They weren't able to do it. So this is what the the final matchups look like in the West. Of course, Colorado has the uh, has the bye. So then Seattle is second. They're going to play RSL. Uh, who is it? Sporting KC gets Vancouver. That should be very interesting. They match up there. And then Portland, who were in the game against Austin, it didn't matter because they weren't going to go up or down, face Minnesota, which that one should be a good game too because Minnesota has some players that could definitely uh, make it interesting and uh, definitely give a, an upset to Portland there. So that's your MLS playoffs. What do you think, Eric, before we kick a ball? Uh, I'm telling you. Even with Seattle in the West, starting off with the West, I don't know if you're going to get a big Cascadian presence. You're going deeper into those playoffs. And especially with Colorado getting that press, being able to scout, I think, all right, they know they were a little bit lucky, even though they took care of business themselves. To get top of the West, they're putting the pressure on themselves to go ahead and be like, all right, now we're going to mean it and we're presenting for ourselves for a run. And in the East, I don't want to say it's New England's world and everybody else is living in it, but I know Bruce Arena in a lot of these situations. I'm hoping Orlando can at least make a decent one, beat Nashville, and then I'm vindicated myself. But at least to come the East, they're going to be very hard to stop. Yeah, man. I mean, we say that, but that's the thing, though, right? Is you you say, oh, well, definitely New England should win, right? They're the number one team in the East. They are the best team, but that's not always the case. That no, was, we outlined a few weeks ago. Yeah, and, and I get that. But and again, if it were just about anybody else, I would say, all right, hold your horses. You don't have the experience. You don't have this. I find some faults. But even as we said about how New England got that supporter shield, yeah, one fluke thing could happen. We've seen it all the time. But I think they're less vulnerable to that fluke. Very possible. We'll see when we get down to it. Of course, New England gets to sit there, just like Colorado does, and watch the action of that first week before they have to come in and play. So let's move on now to NWSL playoffs. Of course, they're already in the playoffs. They are now, uh, I guess you would go after they have finished this round, they are now in round two uh, going on here. So the four matchups that you had or sorry, not four. The two matchups you have between the four teams are <clears throat> really two big ones, honestly, and two that are actually, you know, juxtaposed when you're talking about all the stuff with scandal and everything within the VSO that we've talked about off the field. Now that we're talking about on the field, it's very interesting. 
So let's before we talk about those two teams, let's talk about Gotham and Chicago. Officially now, the end of uh, Carly Lloyd's career with the club game as uh, she her team, Gotham FC, falls to Chicago Red Stars 1-0 thanks to Mallory Pugel in the 60th minute. Uh, set up wonderfully by Andy Sullivan there uh, to, or not Andy Sullivan, sorry, uh, to, just for her to score. She actually almost scores again like 20 minutes later. But really, there wasn't a lot of chance in this game. Uh, to be honest, um, when you're looking at the other game, uh, there was a ton. But still, Chicago went in and got it done. But the summit margins, but they went and did it. And now they're going on. And they're going to be playing uh, Portland, which is the tougher uh, to play next Sunday. I, I mean, a fantastic defensive effort to save the very... Yeah, definitely. Against uh, Gotham, but... Are they really capable of turning around and doing that again? Yeah. Uh, against your shield winners, against uh, they're gonna, you know, Portland's gonna be at home uh, for that game. So, uh, difficult one. Difficult, difficult. One not impossible, but difficult. Crazier game between the Washington Spirit and the New England, or not New England, North Carolina Courage. Now, these are two teams that were bit, that were obviously had a lot of effect with. You know, the scandal and everything else. Paul Riley, of course, with North Carolina. But this now makes it one game in their last 10 that they've won since that happened. You can definitely see the negative that is that, you know, this whole thing has had an effect on them. Whereas on the opposite end, except for two COVID forfeits since Richie Burke was fired, Washington has not lost. And they did that here. They persevered because this game had 54 shots. 54. The goalkeepers came out trumps every single time, except for the one time North Carolina Courage Keeper spills it right in front of goal. Yeah, another hand of, had, another sort of hand of Claude moment. You feel bad for her. You feel so, terrible. I felt so bad for the entire time. Both keepers were making lightning saves just coming out from everywhere to keep the ball from going in. Trinity Robin takes a shot. The keeper spills it right in front, and Ashley Hatch is there to just roof it. And that's it. In that 114th minute of the second extra time, they're about to go to penalties. You know, obviously, they still got five minutes worth of hard work to do. But, oh yeah, man, heartbreak a little bit there for the Carolina keeper. But... Awesome for the Spirit to continue their run, and now they're going to play OL Reign on a Sunday as well. So there you go. You've got your two matchups. You know, Washington Spirit, OL Reign, and Chicago against Portland. Whoever wins those, of course, goes to Portland again for the championship game. And we already know that game's happening at 9 a.m. on, on the day that it's happening. Wait, so didn't they? Because I remember we talked about this. They moved it to Louisville. No, no, I thought they moved it to. They moved it back to. They moved it from Louisville to Portland. No, right? From oh, they Portland. moved it back to Louisville again. Yeah, for, because it was originally in Portland, the nine a.m. Okay. Pacific, and then it was like okay. with the stadium in Portland and the time zone and everything. So they kept it at a noon time slot in. Ah, okay. Mm-hmm. I can't. Why well, I couldn't? Uh, yeah. All right, it is. You're right. It moves to Louisville. Mm-hmm. Because that, it was such amongst everything else going on, the players saying, hey, why is the stadium in Portland? Why is that such of an earlier kickoff? Especially 
for keeping it and everything else. And the league said, okay, we're moving it east. Yep, because it needed to be at 12 on mm-hmm. CBS Eastern, 9 a.m. still Pacific, obviously. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, so it is happening at Louisville's Lynn Family Stadium. You're right. I'm sorry. Ah, My bad, so everyone. But, see, I'm glad we have Eric here to correct me, make sure we have this right. But, okay, so in Louisville on the 20th of November. But still, we got to get two games through on here in this expanded playoffs. But so far, man, one cracker of a game for sure. Let's see if uh, the four teams can live up to it again for this next one. Uh, admittedly, I'm feeling a little bit relieved with that extra time one for O.L. Rain. Just saying. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's get into another big topic here that we have. The Isthmus national team squad has been announced for the two games against Mexico, obviously at home in Cincinnati, and then going to Kingston uh, to play Jamaica. And we'll get into both of those squads for Mexico and Jamaica as well, along with the Isthmus squad, because two big squads that the U.S. have to play, especially with who have been named for Jamaica as well. So let's get into this, Eric. So some interesting decisions here by uh, Greg Berhalter for uh, this uh, U.S. Men's National Team. So the goalkeepers, eh, what you'd expect, right? Sean Johnson, Zach Steffen, Matt Turner. I still think you can make the case for Ethan Horvath here and not Sean Johnson, but whatever. He's been calling him in. This is where things get interesting here, Eric. Okay, so before this was announced, uh, Sergio Jess was a late scratch from the Tuesday game for Barcelona, and then it was a really hit up back in. So he will not be in this camp. So you already knew that. No Sergio Jess. Well, who gets called in? Reggie Cannon, who we have not seen since the Gold Cup for the U.S., and he hasn't been playing very much at all for Boa Vista, and then he's also sort of injured as well, which is weird. Mark McKenzie coming in. He's not played much at Genk. And then Chris Richards, Anthony Robinson, Miles Robinson, uh, DeAndre Yedlin, Walker Zimmerman, guys that we've seen before. Sam Vines comes in for the first time since uh, the Gold Cup as well. Not always the biggest fan of Sam Vines, but you don't really have a lot of uh, you actually, besides Anthony Robinson, you don't have any legit left backs for the U.S. Men's National Team, honestly. So uh, you have a lot of guys that can play right and left back, but you don't have any legit left backs aside from Anthony Robinson. That's kind of okay. And then you get the big call up with Joe Scally, finally getting his opportunity. So happy for him. What do you think of the defenders here? And just make you think that that's a lot of fullbacks. Eric, are, are we going to play three at the back? I, as weird as it sounds, I would hope so especially if you're really getting that thin at the left, automatically this is telling you. Now, of course, you're going, you can still spread them out a little bit wide, not a super, super compact three at the back, but I'm looking at at least three at the back. I don't know how we're going to do with the wing and drop and sort of a quasi five in support, but with some of these, yeah, three at the back, I will get to it, but getting these kind of formations, I can see where he's leaning a little bit. That's where it starts. I mean, you did see the three at the back of the Nations League, so perhaps mm-hmm. that's where he's going back to with this and saying, okay, well, I have a lot of the players that I want available. I mean, obviously not desk, but most of the players that I want available, you could say maybe he's getting a little bit cute here. Uh, we'll see uh, how this works out, but I wonder if it really does make you think that they're going to do the the three at the back here uh, with bringing in so many backs and not so much center backs because you left out two of your most experienced center backs in 
John Brooks, who had to release a statement, uh, which pretty much said, hey, look, I did play in the Champions League, but I haven't been, I don't feel like up to snuff. I don't mm-hmm. know if that was a decision between both of them or just, you know, Greg Berhalter went and told John Brooks, hey, man, I'm not going to call you in. Just keep getting better and we'll see how you go. He did say, yeah. hey, I'm sure he will be back. I uh, know Tim Ream either. So he went with Young here. He went with, you know, I don't know what Cameron Carter-Vickers has to do to get a game. He's been playing pretty great um, at Celtic. But, I mean, hard to argue with almost everybody else that got picked. I mean, these are people that you know he can rely on. Walker Simmons played, has played great in some games. Miles Robinson mm-hmm. has been dependable. Anthony Robinson, of course. Um, so Mark McKenzie's kind of been, uh, you know, he's not getting a lot of playing time. And when you're talking about, oh, well, you need to have be informed. That kind of goes against the contrary when you call in Reggie Cannon and Mark McKenzie. I don't know, Greg Berhalter, you got to figure it out. You got to be more yeah, consistent. And, and I mean, especially, yeah, you're talking, you know, it was like a bowl of vista, your gank and stuff like that. So you get somewhat like at those same clubs, but you would at least want your players to be playing in the lineups, getting minutes at least at some point in time. So, yeah, I mean, and Reggie Cannon went through a period in the summer where he didn't even want to be at Vista. He wanted to leave. So, it's going to be interesting what happens at the January transfer window. Does he get the opportunity to leave? But if he's not playing much, and he was hoping to play a lot more for U.S. Men's National to get seen. So we'll see uh, what happens here. Uh, midfielders are pretty much the ones you would expect. Uh, no one is really uh, a big surprise. But that also kind of leads you back to the whole, man, does Greg have his favorite? Uh, Kelvin Acosta, Tyler Adams, Don Luca Busio, good to see him in again. Sebastian mm-hmm. Legette. Uh, Eunice Musa, Weston McKinney, Christian Roldan as well. So both the Jet Roldan called in. Uh, Acosta as well is kind of a Greg favorite, but, you know, he kind of does do his thing in MLS, so you can't really complain. Tyler Adams, of course, has to be in here. You have your three, which are being affectionately called MMA right now, McKinney, Adams, and Musa. That's uh, the people's favorite <laughs> As far as like your starting midfield that people really want to see. Uh, we'll see if all three of them get to start against Mexico. I could definitely see him trying to start legit or something like that, thinking uh, that we need experience, but which I hope we don't. Because although he scored a goal uh, in that game against Minnesota, I'm I'm still not the biggest legit fan. No, and so. we've seen this at times. It's some of those in the midfield, and especially against Mexico. You're going to want to try to control the ball more. You're going to want to have a presence, really push your in to try to move forward. We've seen it already. Legit sometimes just goes missing. This is screaming initially. Three, four, one, two, something of that ilk. I yeah. don't want Legit as my fourth midfielder. Give me the MMA all day, but no. I, and I'd really want, I mean, I don't know why Luca De La Torre is not in the. I think he's doing fine. And I thought he. He was interesting when he came in, mm-hmm. uh, you know, in the first game that they played in the last cycle. So it's like I would have loved to see him in for this yeah. window. See what he does against like some of the big boys. I mean, if not just getting a run out against Mexico, definitely against Jamaica. Yeah, I don't. I didn't get this one either. But the I think bigger head scratcher here uh, for me is Brennan Aronson, Paul Ariola. Uh, Ricardo Pepe, Christian Pulisic, Simwaya. You kind of knew all them as soon as Pulisic played, even a little bit. Yep. You knew he was going to get called in. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Tim Weah, Ricardo Pepe, 
Brendan Aronson, no surprise. Paul Ariola, of course. Why? The biggest of all the Greg Papers. Why? Um, and this is coming from a DC United fan. Yes. Why, you know, so. I've seen him at DC United. We've seen him when he's come in the past couple windows for the Stars and Stripes. Why? Why? Because he works gonna... hard, Eric, because he works hard. That's Working that's hard. Saying. You're supposed to work hard. That's the general idea. It's just, okay, you're working hard, and then what? Normally, working hard leads to results. We're not getting the result. Another one of those guys that not just goes missing, but sometimes just has total brain farts or easy misses in sitters. It's like, what are you doing? Yeah, it's not quite football 101, but like a football 201 sort of maneuvers you should only be getting from him. It's a total grab bag. I don't get it. Yeah, I don't, but you know he'll wind up playing even though he really shouldn't. Um, the, of course, big surprise here is Jesus Ferreira is basically the other number nine because Ricardo Pepe is the only number nine that he brought here. He's the only actual out-and-out striker. Now, Jesus Ferreira has scored eight goals for FC Dallas and two in the last couple of games with two assists. But still, I mean, and I get it. He does play up front a lot. For FC Dallas, but it's different playing up front for FC Dallas. And then, like, you don't know if, you know, he's, when he's played for what he, he played up front against, like, Trinidad and Tobago when he played for the U.S. I mean, so that's a big ask to, if, let's say Ricardo Pepe gets hurt or Ricardo Pepe is just gassed after the Mexico game, so he can't play against Jamaica. Or or whatever, or let's say like you're not going to play Pulisic, right? Because right. he played against Mexico, or or whatever. It's like that's a lot to put on in a game where you need to win. Yep, as, like the Jamaica game is Jesus Ferreira. I mean, I hope yep. he proves me wrong. As as an FC Dallas yep. fan, I love Jesus Ferreira. You know, obviously coming from the pedigree of his dad, and he's a playmaker more than a scorer, just like his dad was. But he can score, and that's fine. It's just uh, I don't know. I don't know. It's like, this is where you need, to me, it's like, what happened to Jordan P. Falk? Why is Daryl DK not getting a shot? Like, you don't have that target, man. No, and for something like this, and especially, and this is another thing that Berhalter's going to cry. I know I said the 3-4-1-2. Watch he pull some sort of more abstract, maybe like a super wide 3-4-3, or almost like a spinning. He's he's going to play that. He's going to play that because he's got, he wants to find a way to figure out how to put Pepe, if not Pulisic, Aronson, and probably Areola. I wouldn't be surprised if Pulisic is like a super sub or whatever it doesn't start. But like, you know, he's definitely going to want Aronson, Pepe, and some combination of Pulisic or Areola over here. So right. there's going to be three up front. I don't think he's playing with anything but a three up front. And this is my point. It's like, how are you going to manage that? Are you going to manage like a more wider three up front and a three, four, three? Are you going to try some quarter sort of wacky triangle in a 3-4-2-1? You're not giving yourself many options with these in these sort of situations. Yeah. Oh. It's possible he could do the 3-4-2-1 the um, as well, you know. And But that's where, like for me, maybe an Aronson and Pulisic work that way. Because you see Aronson play as a number 10 for Salzburg. Mm-hmm. You could necessarily put Jesus... And Aaron's in there together as well. But I mean, for me, like, Areola in that spot doesn't work. Like, he no. needs to be on the wing where he can run in 
and all that stuff. So he he's a fantastic number seven. Yeah. But you gotta understand he's a number seven. Right. Don't try to put him no. somewhere else. Put him no, as your like can't. false nine or whatever. Exactly. You, know? you can't he, try to squeeze him in inside. He always loves making those runs and playing from out going like that. So yeah, and I and I were he did mention the false nine. He did mention it suited as a false nine. I was like, oh no, oh no, let's not do that again. Let's not. It doesn't work that way. So we don't need to play uh, false nine. We're not Spain. Let's, let's stop uh, playing around with that. Does this but, man want me to have my eyes roll outside of my head? He's he, making it difficult for me not. I don't know. I don't know. But uh, I could definitely see Mexico ruining whatever plan he has, and then we have to mm -hmm. go with the whole. Oh, let's just throw people at the wall and see what happens again, like he normally does. So, yeah, I just don't have a ton of faith. Look, look, there's nothing wrong with a lot of these players. And again, as an FC Dallas no. fan, I love his ability to we just have to see what he winds up doing. Does he get it right against Mexico? But speaking of the Mexico squad, let's look at the Mexico squad really quick here. Um, because, you know, they have some fantastic players, you know? So, like, this is a lot that you have to go against uh, when you're talking about Mexico and of course you're calling you're looking at Memo Cho and Goal. You know, so that's already that's already a lot problem uh, to number deal one. with. Problem yeah. number one right there. Yeah, I mean like the only thing that I think the US maybe has a win with is that as far as it, defensively, Mexico still has question marks. You know, like when you talk about okay, you know Jesus Callado is gonna play on the left. Other than that, you don't really know, right? Because they kind of he kind of plays around with your your center backs like you know like the more they know is gonna sort of play or um like you have Jorge Sanchez playing on the right but is he somebody you can count on you already know Nestor Araujo is not gonna play in this game because he's got the red card so um you know does that mean Cesar Montes plays there how much can you believe in him you know then in the midfield who's he gonna pick out right is is it gonna be Sebastian Cordova with with Eric Herrera you know is it gonna be uh, Carlos Rodriguez, who's been playing great for Lallados, or it's going to be Edson Alvarez, who's playing great for Ajax. Um, you know, that's, and then of course you got the, the trio, right? The, the absolute, the trio of Tecatito, Chucky, and Raul Jimenez. Are the, my, the, the U.S. defense going to be able to stop that trio, you know, going forward? That's going to be a big matchup to watch. The, that young defense, where you don't call in the experienced guys, right? You're not calling mm -hmm. in a Tim Ream, not calling in a giant Anthony Brooks and, 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 against and you, that forward line. And you know Tata Martino was just salivating right now. Yeah, you know. Salivating. That, that, that is going to be one of those where, like, Greg is either going to get completely wrong or it's going to get uh, dicey there. And then it, for Jamaica, this is the one that um going to be a fun one to watch when we go to Kingston here. Uh, because you got Andre Blake, of course, in goal, and he's been always fantastic uh, mm -hmm. for Jamaica or for Philly. Uh, you got, you know, Kamar Lawrence, probably, uh, Alvis Powell, Liam Moore, O'Neill Fisher. You got some decent defenders there for uh, Jamaica. You still got Javon Watson, Bobby Reed there in the middle. The big, big uh, decisions here. They got the pick of the litter this time for up front. Leon Bailey and Mikel Antonio, both in the squad for Jamaica's and he was not there when you played in the, you know, in the United States, but Mikel Antonio is a someone that whoo, you got, that's a lot to handle there. And with what West Ham did at the weekend, <laughs> I mean, like, don't, 
don't play around, U.S. Antonio could absolutely handle somebody. Um, and nobody's a Virgil van Dyke here. So, you know, I, I I worry about this game when it comes, again, the defense handling that forward line. Uh, and if you're going to put, like, let's say, pair Nicholson up with him, I mean, that's two formidable guys you got to do. Yeah, I, I can't. I can't see three at the back for both games, especially going with both those dynamic bodying, pushing up front forward lines. There's going to have to be some sort of switch in between matches. Burhalter's got to figure out something out. The question is what? It's not looking pretty. No, it's uh, certainly not right now. But again, this is, you know, where you say you got to play the games, right? Mm-hmm. Got to play the game. So, you know, you can say that you know, well you sh- you should ha- you should win you should have that faith that they're going to come in and and do the job but you don't know right as as far as like probably Tata Martino like you said is salivating at the thought of being able to play that young defense against guys that he knows he should be able to count on. Mm-hmm. Let's see. With the way Mexico's been flying, could it just be another huge huge victory there for? Uh, Mexico to just keep rolling in this, uh, World Cup qualifying. I mean, they haven't been rolling per se, but, but the, the fact they've that been that, getting the three points. Yeah, so. they've they've been getting their results, and the fact knowing that even though it's a ways away, the trip to the Azteca is looming. The right. sooner you can cement first place, or at least put distance, the better. They're yeah, thinking it, about that, and it will be interesting when you talk about. Like if Mexico, now Mexico been playing around with, they want to go to different cities like the U.S. Would they consider taking it out of Azteca to somewhere else where you know you have much more of a crowd? Maybe, maybe. But interesting mm-hmm. on that front. So I forgot totally to mention this while we were talking about. Ah, you know what? We'll just save that for when we talk about the playoffs. It doesn't really matter right now. Just to save a little bit of time. So really quick before we get away from national team, at least the senior national team. Uh, the men did uh, make one friendly for December 18th. That's going to be the end of the year. No more games after that for a little bit of a break. They're going to play Bosnia-Herzegovina in uh, Carson as the friendly. Let's see if maybe we call up uh, Wando for that one, uh, courtesy like send-off. Oh, yeah. It's in California and everything. Uh, we'll see uh, what happens there. And, of course, the women are going to end their national team season with an interesting twofer here with Australia and they're not going to play it here. They're going to play it in Australia. So on Black Friday at 11 o'clock at night on FS2, (laughs) you can watch US. Well, yeah, I don't know who's watching FS2. Look, hey, I'm I'm not knocking FS2. They have come up clutch for me a few times, but it's if you're still awake at 11 o'clock at night on a Black Friday, if you're not exhausted from dealing with family and shopping and this and that, it's going to be a fun do match. Shopping, a lot of people do their shopping online now. And how tiring is it? But, like, my point is that, for one, if you have access to FS, as a lot of uh, cable systems have FS2 locked on some premium big-ass tier that most people are not going to pay for. Uh, so, you know, there's that. But the second game, at least, is on ESPN. But guess what time you're going to be watching that game on Tuesday at 4.05 a.m.? No. Nope. <laughs> I mean, now, keep in mind my sleep schedule has not been the most normal, what you would call the last year and year and a half. But yeah. if I'm up at 4 o'clock in the morning, 
no offense, I'm not thinking football of any kind. Yeah, if I, I happen to be awake, I'll maybe watch the first half and finally go to bed. But of course, they're playing the first game in Sydney, and that's actually when they're playing it. It's at 3 p.m. Mm-hmm. local time the next day. Yep, on the 27th, so it's 11 p.m. over here in the states. Uh, you know that Black Friday, and then of course Tuesday, the number 30th, they're playing local time over there at 8:05 p.m. in Newcastle. Uh, and they're play- that's 4:05 a.m. our time uh, yep. that morning. In, in uh, Newcastle, yeah. beautiful stadium, suburb of Sydney, I think slightly farther north. It's like 100 miles. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I watch a lot of Australian rugby league and a couple other sports, so I have a general idea. That's why you gotta have, Eric watches the stuff that a lot of people don't, so that have these kind of conversations. Good. Look at the under-20s. First time we've been able to talk about the under-20 team in a long while because the under-20 and under-17 World Cups were canceled due to COVID, and of course... U.S. men didn't make the uh, Olympics. So this is really the first time we're being able to talk about this. And, of course, it's weird because the previous coach of the U.S. men's national team, our U.S. men's under-20 national team, only played two. He only coached two games before everything came to a halt because of COVID. And it's weird to see that you just knock him off for no reason other than the fact that he hasn't been able to do anything with the team. So... You're bringing in a former FC Dallas coach during the time where Luchi Gonzalez was coach, Mikey Varas. Of course, he obviously has a lot of experience with younger talent with that FC Dallas Academy is brought in so many great uh, players over the years. Now they're going to be playing in this cup, which starts on Wednesday called the Revelations Cup with being held in Mexico. It's Mexico, the U.S., Brazil and Colombia, uh, all playing within a, you know, in a week time and a week's time. Sorry. Some youngsters from MLS that you may know, um, you know, some players from Fulham, but there's not any like major, major players here. Obviously, it doesn't help that the U.S. men's national team uh, have uh, games going on at the same time. So, you know, Ricardo Pepe could technically play in the U.S. 20 World Cup in 2023. Could he have been called in here if, you know, say the U.S. men's national team is not playing, the senior team? Maybe. You know, and then there's some other teams that are on that national team that could be playing as well. You know, so um, that's the thing that's interesting with this is Rick Brohalter keeps calling in these, this young squad and a lot of that team could play here. Uh, but really, like, if we're going to scan really quick, I mean, for Eric, uh, Jacob Green, it's called in the defender for D.C. United. Justin Shea uh, plays for FC Dallas. He's being brought in here. Um, so, uh, Paxson Aronson, who plays for Philadelphia, uh, Caden Clark and Kate Cowell are both in. They play in MLS. Uh, Brian Gutierrez also, uh, in here along with Michelle Rodriguez. So, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of talent here, but it's, it, I think it's going to be fun to be able to watch these, which they're going to be on Tudene. So if you have Tudene, which is that, you know, you see on, uh, all sports channel. If you have that, you can watch the games on there and discover some of our young talent. I'm going to be interested to see some of the young talent. Yeah, that... same here. I'm definitely going to be tuning in. I'm lucky enough to get to Uda in it. Perfect for me. So it's something seeing exactly how we have it like coming down the pipeline and especially for 2023 and then heading towards maybe something for Paris and four. Hopefully we finally kind of break that duck. So. This is going to be a good first step. Yeah, certainly. Uh, you gave me a great segue there. Uh, speaking of Paris, a former Frenchman, 
uh, former famous Frenchman, Michel Platini, and of course, Sepp Blatter, uh, being indicted on charges of fraud, so, uh, illegal transactions, and a bunch of uh, other things here. Yeah. This, and if you look into the history, and I'll give a Reader's Digest version, it's a little bit shady because you got a flashback all the way to 2011. Yeah. It's kind of a handshake gentleman's agreed saying, hey, Michel, you did a lot of this consultancy for us. And great. I'm going to be sure to pay you somehow. Right. And then all of a sudden, two million euros magically change hands out of nowhere. So you yeah. kind of a bit of a question mark. Then you go forward 2015 after the whole big scandal of awarding the World Cups, especially to Cutter. More and more investigations go on, and this is tied in because, like, okay, you say, oh, you agreed to pay this at a later date. Oh, you say, we didn't have the funds. All of a sudden, where did this come from out of nowhere? They're both denying it, saying everything was on the up and up, but the Swiss courts were like, no, we're going to go ahead and dig in. And, of course, this is also when we're having the U.S. raids for corruption as well during that time. This indirectly, all of this leads to Sepp Blatter winning the previous presidency and then also then resigning like a week later when this happens. And of course, Platini was supposed to be the next FIFA president after Blatter got his fifth term. And then of course, all of this happens and he doesn't get uh, that. And of course, he wound up getting like a four-year sentence of uh, banning from FIFA yeah. and, and soccer. He can now technically go back into uh, soccer, but so far that has not really happened. He wanted to be on the executive board of fifth row at one point. Uh, Seth Blatter still has, like I think, another year or two. And then Blatter's also getting that that criminal charge for the uh, mm -hmm. giving a million dollars to Jack Warner <laughs> in 2010. So uh, we'll see. But ah, I don't miss the days of all of this corruption charge going on with Blatter and all that stuff. Not, not, not whatsoever. You got to see the results of the racket, but you also see how big of a racket it really was. But we do have something interesting when it comes to, uh, you know, Europe. And of course, Michelle Platini was the head of UEFA for such a long time. UEFA now has a new home, Eric, starting in June 2022. Now, think about this. Fox quickly went from... Like having no, okay, they used to be like the home of club soccer for mm -hmm. a lot of things, right? Oh, yeah. And then all of a sudden, okay, they got the World Cup, but they don't have much else. Some soccer else, some just mm -hmm. national team stuff here, some even national team stuff here, whatever, whatever. Uh, they got, uh, I think it's uh, Bundesliga <laughs> B or Sedia B or something. Um, all of a sudden, and then, then all of a sudden, bam, like they decided to go after the Copa America. Yep. They still had the Gold Cup, you know, mm -hmm. they had, and then they have, of course, the World Cup, which they were gifted the 2026 version where they don't have to give a bid for it because of uh, what happened with uh, Russia and everything. So they have that. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, Fox outbids everyone to go after the Euros. And not only the Euros, but they get everything UEFA from 2022, which starts the uh, qualifiers for the Nations, to the Nations League, to the Euros in 2024, Euros in 2028, and everything else in between. All the World Cup qualifiers, everything else. All the friendlies that are handled by UEFA, they get everything. I, I just mean, wonder where the heck are you going to show all this stuff? And I, I worry about it with Fox because they don't have a streaming service like ESPN Plus where, you know what, maybe I'm not going to watch all those games, but the fact that they're right. all there 
Right. I really, nice. I really think this is going to be that big bolster for FS now that it's gaining a wider presence. And while it's not an actual streaming service, I think they're going to use the next couple of years and really transform Fox Sports Go. And yeah. another sort of, I call well, they it, have been. They have been saying that they're going to use Tubi more. Okay, so, so Tubi would help, but actually, thanks to with my TV, I get to, which is a plus. Yeah. And they also have, and I call this a hidden gem because it's, again, one of those that's not readily available, but they still have Fox Soccer Plus up there. Steve. Oh, no, no, no. I don't want something that I have to pay more money No, for. I don't think they're going to have a lot okay. of the premium matches or the big nations or big events on Fox Soccer Plus. I mean, if you're a fan of, say, like San Marino or Gibraltar, one of those, they'll probably throw those on Fox Soccer Plus. Something like yeah, that. but okay. My thing is, I want to have a way where I can legitimately watch something on demand and not have to like go scour the internet because that's my problem. Like on ESPN mm -hmm. Plus, I can watch whatever the heck I want. After the game's over, it immediately goes back on there. And if I want to watch, you know, a Spain versus Italy or yep. the England game, whoever they're playing, whoever England's playing, I can watch that. Whoever mm -hmm. Portugal is playing, I can watch that. Like, mm -hmm. I don't have to go and fish for it, right? Or pretty much if you don't watch stuff live, it's almost impossible to find on the internet later oh, uh, yeah. on demand. So, like, you know, the only way is to have somewhere where it's going to be on demand. I'm just not a fan of like right now, at least where it stands, right? Fox is going to change things and they could add all these to 2B or whatever. Yep. You know, you when you still added that Brenda TV, which is free, and they added mm -hmm. a lot of stuff on there as well. So like they could do that. But I'm just saying right now as it stands, they don't have that proven tracker where I'm going to say, listen, the world is changing. More people watch things on demand now. They don't watch everything live. Everything's watched with, you know, highlights now a lot of times. So I just want to see them make that progress. And I honestly, I think the fact that they're getting big time matches, I think this is going to push them to make that progress. Because honestly, yeah, you know about Tubi and you have like stuff on Tubi, but this is a big push for Tubi itself. Because let's face it, if you don't have like high quality original content, which takes millions of dollars to invest and do it right. What do you have to rely on to put yourself out there as sports? Yeah, here we go. A lot of sports now. Obviously, mm -hmm. now most of this stuff is taking place in certain years, and then you can't count it all the time. So you don't have like ESPN has this stuff, right? The the when the international come to town, like you know they can promote the Mexico game that they yep. have, right? But they they weekly have stuff as well. That's the problem Fox has right now is. Okay, you have all this international stuff, but this is only at certain times of the year, most mm -hmm. of it in the summer, except for the, and that's it, right? Like you don't have La Liga, Bundesliga, um, what is it? The other, the Eredivisie, the, the other leagues, the championship, the cups, you know, like ESPN has a lot of stuff. And this mm -hmm. is also leading to rumors now that ESPN may even go after the Premier League, which well, is coming up for rights really quick. Right now it's happening. They're they're having the deals right well, I now. Mean, so. this, and this is one thing that I was thinking about myself because they've confirmed for anybody who loves ESPN Classic, that's gone. Yeah. That's going to be done. ESPN is making this push and they have the availability. Who's to say they don't do 
like what Fox did and turn Fox Soccer into FXX, taking yeah. it from sports-specific away to other content. Who's to say ESPN doesn't do the reverse? ESPN Classic, and then bring ESPN SC from being strictly digital or what have you to a full-blown channel on the cable waves. Uh, I don't know about doing that because they want to get subscribers for ESPN Plus, right? So if you take away stuff, from ESPN Plus to make it into a channel. No, you can, but you're not necessarily taking a whole bunch from ESPN Plus. You still have that with any on-demand features or things like that. But if you have ESPN Classic, what are you going to do with sort of that space? You have something yeah. going away. You would still want to be that competitive in that sort of a landscape, unless you're going to turn it into expanded version of the Ocho, which that would only take you with so far. I mean, it depends, right? Because it's the same thing with the NBCSN, that that's going away. Yeah, and that's going away. We, all of that content is going to go to USA and a couple other networks under the NBC. And then Peacock, obviously, as well. So, like, that's the thing is, do they, like you said, do they turn that into an ESPN FC channel, right? Or do they just go away with it completely? Like, there's a lot of people that are saying that NBCSN is going to cease to exist and they're not going to replace that at all with anything else. Mm-hmm. It's just going to be, that's it. There's no... NBCSN, it's not going to be replaced. And that's why they didn't go after hockey. That's why there's a lot of talk about are they really going to go after Premier League? Because Premier League want like, what, $3 billion or something like that? Oh, no. In, no. Yeah. No. Yeah, so is there possibility that they have a split rights package, which I don't know that ESPN would go for that because they want everything plus. So then that's going to be fun whenever that comes because even CBS oh, yeah. can go after that because there's and, services. And there's other talks about other leagues and other sports as well. You've got yeah. on the gridiron college football. You've got spring leagues coming up. With well, I mean, ESPN owns like almost all of that. So I mean, like then those contracts. I mean, the other other than the CBS one, right? And, and, there's an, there yeah. there is that. But again, you also have Fox was along with the Big Ten Network, and you have a couple yeah. of spring gridiron football leagues coming up over the next couple of years. Fox has already pounced on one. There's a lot of yeah. talk about NBA getting in a share of another one. So. A lot of major TV negotiation over the next realistically four years. Yeah, but the, what's interesting for this for Fox is that now they're basically the home for international soccer. We're talking mm-hmm. about like everything outside of the like African and Asian uh, continents because CBS and ESPN have those. But yeah, I mean they have almost every other major competition at this point. So it's it's crazy to think. At least on the English side of things, it's gonna be interesting on the Spanish side of things. Uh, does Univision keep that the Euros that they did this year? Although, you know, when the Euros are going up against other, uh, let's say like Copa America, there's less interest in that mm-hmm. in, in this country. So, yeah, and there's, uh, they're going to try to spread them out a little bit more. Yeah, and that's going to be another thing because you've seen Colmebol, they're specifically scheduling Copa America to go head to head with the Euros. Yeah. Well, I mean, they don't really have an option. They just happen to fall in the same year, so they'd have right. to switch them off again. Right. Uh, well, I mean, well, they did that now because they don't want any men competition with the women competition mm-hmm. in the World Cup, uh, which would be, again, something that kind of goes against the, you know, uh, becomes a further issue when you have the, if you do the biennial World Cups in the men. Well, again, they, they got a lot of time to figure that one out. Uh, still lots of talk going on that end, but uh, we'll oh, get yeah. to that when it comes to it. So the last thing, uh, to cover here, Manchester United moment. And man, what an interesting moments, uh, moments to talk about because we're talking about two games. 
which pretty much define Manchester United as far as this year goes. You have the come from behind win against Atalanta, uh, or not win, draw against Atalanta again, right? They came back from behind to win against Atalanta the first time. And then the second time, Cristiano Ronaldo with a ridiculous uh, twice, a back heel from Bruno, and then a goal by Ronaldo. And then Ronaldo out of nowhere gets a second goal to save them and give mm-hmm. them a point, you know, and put them in. And now they have to go and do some do some business against Villarreal and the young boys uh, again to get through. And then, of course, the game against Man City, the derby. That should have been worse. It, it really that, should have. They, I, David De Gea saved their asses. Like, literally. I don't know how many times. And that's, I mean, it's a little bit his fault on that second goal. But Luke Shaw is also not paying attention. You know, he gets beat on that near post. You'd never get beat in your near post. But again, Luke Shaw, I think it's at fault for some of that as well. That first goal, I think that's just that just tells you the defense as in general. I mean, look, I know uh, Bayi hasn't played very much. It's not his. I mean, but like nobody went after that cross. It, and I don't know what's going on with Harry Maguire, but he looks like he's absolutely frightened to do anything. I, I, I don't know if he gets it's like too much. I, I would hope that it's not the captaincy getting to him, but it's just scared. And these are the moments in our defense to where at the worst possible times, it's like we randomly just fall asleep. Yeah, we're but just, you know just... what? You know what? That, that's on the manager too. Like it's yes. like, I, just on the players, right? They should go out there and, and have more, you know, gumption to go for it. But it's like they haven't kept a clean sheet in like 14 games now. What gives, right? You have a great goalkeeper. You mm-hmm. supposedly have this, uh, you know, I mean, obviously, Varane got hurt. Yeah. And you were trying to do that thing with three at the back with Bailly along with Endelov and, and Maguire. And it didn't work because they don't know when who's supposed to step and who's not. No, you, 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 you're throwing this at a three at the back formation out of just about nowhere. And... Yeah, because it worked one time against Tottenham. So we're going to keep doing it. It's like, oh, yeah, but no. Tottenham. Tottenham. Right, but it's, there's a reason why Tottenham had to go get another coach. We'll talk about it soon. But it's like, you got to have, this is where it's a problem with Oli, right? Of, mm-hmm. He just does one thing, it works, and then it's like, oh, we're going to keep. That's not the same as, say, oh, I want to start the same back line. See, or, okay, and then I can go ahead and I make it the adaptation. You know, right. maybe against these matchups, I don't start this midfield pairing. I tweak and maybe have more support around the back. And it's not necessarily midfield four. Change the strike partnership. It's just. Yeah. And I mean, that, that thing with Fred and McTominay is into like where they, where they just. Those it's guys, been Most of them thin. are not healthy. No. What are they doing out there? Yeah. Seriously. I, every time all I see is Fred get beat by someone. Uh, you know, McTominay makes a bad pass. And then, uh, you know, up front, it's like Ronaldo and everybody else just. Like Bruno's giving him opportunities, right? But mm-hmm. it's just I don't know if it's 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 Ollie, right? Ollie is not able to make that team be cohesive no. and work together. It's again the same thing. What happened against Atalanta? Moments of brilliance. What happened against Messi? There were no moments of brilliance because no, for like the first 20 minutes, they couldn't get out of their own end. No, you can't have, you know, a talismanic player like Ronaldo or even uh, Edison Cavani when he's available and healthy up there. You can't rely on those two, especially Ronaldo, to paper over a whole bunch of cracks. No, That's and not they, got, they got cracks everywhere. It's like every time there's a question, it's like, 
let's just throw everybody onto the field now. Like, oh, let's throw Sancho and let's throw Van de Beek. And let's, it's like, there's not a plan. There's not a, oh, well, this person actually comes in here and, no. and like unlocks this part of it. And it's like, no, like Pep just absolutely went and, and like didn't have to even do a whole lot. He didn't make one change, Eric. He didn't. He didn't make one sub. Because if you're if was... you're Pep, you're one of the master tacticians. You can even make a four four two just work like a total he did. exotic dream. Four two work. Again, you just like I was like, okay, I'm gonna take this basic. I am just gonna make all kinds of exotic. He doesn't. Okay, but so. This is what's so crazy is Pep is so good. He doesn't yeah. have a striker. He doesn't have a number nine. And they go and win games. I mean, like they, lost the, they lost to Crystal Palace. But he's so good that mm-hmm. he has, of course, helps that you have this great talent. Yeah, you have like a great talent in about a billion-dollar payroll. But, hey, you got to have something to make it work. But, you don't have every but, single piece. But it shows you everything. Look at the billion-dollar payroll that PSG had. And look mm-hmm. at how that team is working now, granted. Uh, I, I concede that. I can. And then look that. at the way Man City plays with Pep. It's all about the coach. I know, it's I all about having... Agree. Completely agree. You have to have someone who, again, if you don't have all the perfect pieces, it's like, you know what? Here's what I've got with all of this. Here's where I'm getting my best talent and best spots. I'm going to make this work. Fitting the system to those players. Say, okay, it's not always going to be 100%, but most of the time, I'm going to be able to get it right. No, it's just it's just frustrating from all points of view. If you're the Glazers, I get it. You just gave all the, uh, uh, you know, a three-year contract, and you want to see some of that through, and you don't want to go and try to find somebody. Mm-hmm. And now, because Tottenham went and got Antonio Conte, do you have anyone to go and get with has a name? There's right? been talks. I have heard Zidane has made a U-turn and saying, I might take that United job if it's available. I've heard a couple of German coaches. But honestly, for the Glazers, and this is the big difference in perspective as well, when you see a team that is making money, and that's, you have to admit, a huge chunk of what this is about for the Glazers is making money. You figure, as long as you're qualifying for the champion, you're making that change leave money. You don't need to change much. Okay, but they, here's the they, no, and no, and yeah. they need to change that approach because just qualifying for the champion isn't enough. No, no, it, but here, here's the problem, Eric. There's right now that you're gonna West Ham is playing out of their minds. Granted, to play now to play like that an entire season is not a guarantee. But you think Tottenham is gonna get better with Conte? Right as the manager. Mm-hmm. He's done that everywhere he goes. He makes mm-hmm. the team better. Mm-hmm. They're going to take a little bit of time to adjust. And he may have to play around in the January transfer window and, and get some players in and whatever. Go get gonna, some time. It's going to be hard with how little Tottenham has. Right. But Daniel Levy will spend and he'll go and sell someone if he has to or whatever. If Conte is. Now, now that's the thing. I don't know how much Daniel Levy is going to let Conte do whatever. Because Conte is one of those guys that says, I want this guy. I don't care how much money it is. I want that guy. Daniel Levy doesn't work like that. No, and that, that's just why I say. It's like, yeah. all right, you want him. We're going to have to, in some cases, sell to buy. You prepared yeah. for that. Yeah, like we're going to have to go sell like two players to go get this one guy that you want. You may have to go find somebody else. And does he have enough time in that 30 days to go make adjustments? But here's the thing. like Maybe you go and, and make it out of that group 
by going and winning against young boys or whatever, or, or you go and get a draw against Villarreal again, or, right? Or whatever, right? But in the round 16, you're probably gonna get whooped, yep. And, and like, that's the thing is, it's not just West Ham playing out of their minds, it's Arsenal's playing pretty well, right? They're they're winning or mm-hmm. they're getting results, they're they're, they're, they're like they've turned it on to help yeah, Arteta and they've responded. I mean, since that time where Arteta was under the gun, they have done nothing but just get results, mm-hmm. right? And so, like, they're all the way up to fifth. That's just mm-hmm. crazy to think of what happened, right? So, like, then you've got, you know, Leicester, who's still in there. They're in the mix, right? And they're always up for one. I mean, like, that's three teams right there that could yep. easily be above you. Yep. And you're nowhere near, no, near Champions League at that point. Not no. even Europa League. So, like, that's my problem with this, that there is no guarantee that you're going to get fourth. And, and this and this is why the Glazers have to think. It's like, okay, what this is now. And even with the mantra, oh, Ole has three matches. Ole has three matches. What well, is he doing? Three matches happen. It's the same. One, one, and one. Win, loss, draw. You got one of each. That is yeah. a, that any way you slice it, that is a middling team. That is a middling yeah, but performance. Yeah, that's, the, that's the, the problem is the Glazers are fine with them being middling as long as they get changed. And then so, this is why I say they've got to change that approach because but, for the reasons that you just mentioned, there is no guarantee. There, this we mess around and fix, finish six. Are you yeah. really going to pull the trigger? Because you don't have time to late. mess around. Yeah, no. like you said, right? Like you need to act soon. I would act now. I would so take would I. This, this summer break. And be like, listen, there's nothing all these that's going to make this team better. No. He can't sign anyone until January. Nope. So he's got to go with a team that he has. Yep. You saw the changes this guy's going to make. He's not going to have some revelation after this international break. And they're not going to go on some ridiculous run. They have played terrible at Old Trafford during his time there. I mean, he got saved by the fact that they went on that 29-game unbeaten run or whatever. or he probably would have been, you know, out longer. It's like, this happens every time, and they should know by now. Oh, like, he starts with some, he loses some, and it's like, are we going to keep going this way? I mean, it's just like, what What else is it going to uh, take? Like, okay, great, you get Watford when you come back from the break. Okay, fine. You know, uh, was it Claudio Ranieri has been all right since since. The- but it's like, seriously, I mean, is that what we're like hoping for here? Okay, you got Chelsea and Arsenal right after that. After you get Watford and then Villarreal in the Champions League. That's two games you could lose again. That's You're staring like, down the barrel at another stretch of maybe, maybe one win in four. And Crystal Palace has been playing really well. I mean, look at that. They just beat Man, uh, Man City. Um, and, and they took it to, who did Crystal Palace play? Um, but they, they got a result again. So, so it's man, like, these London teams, I'm telling you, I'm telling you. So, so yeah, one win in four, one win in five. That's unacceptable. That is unacceptable. If I'm on that board, I'm calling people like Zidane in the games now and saying, Hey, do you really make a U-turn? We can help you adjust the light. Uh, they beat, England, sorry, they beat Wolves. But, like, that that's still a point. Mr. Palace is playing really well. Brighton's yeah. playing really well uh, as well. So, like, that's the thing, is this league is 
better than you give it credit for. You're not going to be able to steamroll all these teams that are not Chelsea, Man City, Liverpool to be able to make sure you get fourth. There's there's going to be teams that are going to give you a fight as you've already dealt with this yourself, and then you're seeing them do it to these other teams, you know, already. So it's like, again, outside of the Watford and, and Villarreal set, you get two really rough games after that. And you could be further down the table, like you said. Mm-hmm. And then what are you going to do? You're going to get to the point where you're so far down the table that it doesn't matter if Zidane or some German coach or some, whoever comes in. They're not going to be able to turn the team around, even with Ronaldo and Cavani nope. and Bruno and everybody. Like, you're not going to be able to turn them around because no. they're too far gone. Like, make a chain now when you still maybe have a shot at the title or whatever it's like do you not even care about winning the title anymore it's like no on. like that's clearly, clearly they don't they don't we haven't that's won awful. it since Sir alex retired it's manchester united like you should not be sitting there this goes beyond the fandom or whatever of like us of being uh supporters of manchester united. it's like this is a big this would be like the yankees saying oh we don't want to win the world series Forget that. You're, like, you're talking like, about a team that's historically number one or top five, absolute worst, top ten most valuable clubs across all sports on the uh, Nothing. It's embarrassing. That was an embarrassing game to watch because they had other outside of Ronaldo with that shot that right to um right to the key to Ederson. They got nothing, Eric. Nothing going forward at all. Mm-mm. It's it was, it's absolutely, it was worse than Liverpool because at least Liverpool, you felt like, oh, at some moment, somebody will do something. Like, this was even more because De Gea was keeping them in the game. And then nobody could get nobody pushed going in at all. Nobody pushed. Nobody, there's 20 minutes to the game and they're kind of like, all right, let's just make sure nobody scores. All right. Let's make sure this looks good. Really? That's what we're worried about? Instead of pushing everybody freaking forward and trying to score? I mean, like, really? Oh, it's so frustrating as a as not just a fan. It's like, this is what Manchester United has become. Really? Are, so you're gonna wait to get dismantled by Thomas yep. Tuchel? Yeah. You're gonna you're gonna wait to, to like probably lose to Arsenal? Like like that's what you're gonna wait on. No. Looking at the looking at the Glazers mentality, yes. And they thought that it was bad with the Super League debacle and how the fans in Manchester react. God help them if things really go south. Yeah, Seriously. It's, it's it's just utter, like, I, at this point, take this time with the international break and really, please, don't. I don't care if they go and beat Watford 6-0 and they go and beat Villarreal 2-0. Like, it doesn't matter. Like Watford's a team you should beat. Yeah, you're again. One. And and Villarreal, you know, they're at your level, fine for what you are right now. But it's like still, you have done enough in the Champions League to where okay, you should go and get a draw at Villarreal and then yep. set yourself up for what you got to do against Young Boy Old Trafford or whatever. It's like the point is, do not go by the last result. Go by the breadth of what you've seen with this man. He doesn't have, he's a great person. Yeah, he's, he's a, a great legend. person. Like, but he's, as a manager, he, in this situation, he's over his. Exactly. He's over his skis. He's inept at what he needs to be to be able to take this team to the next level. And you need to go find that person, whether it's Zidane, 
whether it's somebody else, take this freaking week make and a half to make calls. Go something. find someone. It because it doesn't matter if you light a fire under his butt. He just is not the kind of guy that's gonna all of a sudden have some come to Jesus moment and it's yep. like, oh, I figured out what I was doing wrong the whole time. Here it is. And then the team's gonna magically agree. No, they're gonna keep doing this thing where they win one, they lose one, they draw here, they oh, like come on, man. It's like it's almost like he is sometimes like Greg Burhalter where and there's that one plan, except Greg Burhalter's got got lucky a couple oh, of yeah. times, right? Oh yeah. Where Oli's gotten smacked in the face where, oh crap, I messed up. Now I gotta make the change. Oh crap, that didn't work. Well, whatever. Here, like Ronaldo's gone and saved his butt. Like, and it's like, how many times Ronaldo's not gonna do that every single time? No, I mean, so, you look at that. You may lose him at the end of this. You know, you're going to lose exactly. Cavani at, at the end of the season. Look, looking to go back to South America. So then, what are you going to do? Yeah, I mean, like that's the point. Ronaldo doesn't want to stick around for the last two or three years that he has left and not win. Mm-hmm. Even if it is with your old legendary club or whatever, I mean, he can go back to Real Madrid and win. He can go back to, I don't know about Juventus, but he can go back to Sporting. Yeah, and Juventus, win, you know. no. Or like, I mean, even go back to Portugal. That's what I'm saying. Go back to yeah. Sporting, go back to yeah. uh, Real Madrid, or he can go to another team and win. Like, that's more set up for him. He can go to Man City, right? Like, you can just be like, almost, you know what? I did, did anyways. I, I gave you a shot, Manchester United. You obviously don't give two craps about winning here. I'm going to go to the noisy neighbors, and I'm going to win over there. Oh, and you know? if that happens, riots. Right, riots. Yeah, riots. At, it better be riots at the Glazers' door. Oh, of course. It better be because you shouldn't be allowing the team. You go in, and that's the travesty of it all, right? Like, mm-hmm. you go and spend all this. Look, they've, they've spent money. I'm not saying they don't spend money, right? Yeah, they, they spend money, but. You go in and do what you got to do to make sure the Buccaneers win the damn championship. But come on, man. You're going to go and, and, oh, we don't. Well, we were making progress, but now we're not. And it's like, it just shows you that, like, your progress stopped. Yes. Your progress ain't going to go higher than there. And that's it. Like, at some point, you know. You ain't going to get to where you need to go with Oli. And you need to, as much as Oli's a great person, he's a legend of the club, and also, you need to move on and do it before the team gets to the point where nobody is going to come take them because they're not going to go above like sixth or seventh or whatever. And they can't, what, we're going to pass the embarrassment of going to the freaking UEFA conference? Like, it's like, that's where you're headed at this. You're going to join Roma and Tottenham and some other teams in the UEFA Conference. Imagine that. Because you don't make this change faster. Let's uh, end it there here because we're probably going to go on for another 20 minutes. Yeah, we we easily could. We easily could. Thank you for uh, joining us here. Uh, Much longer show than usual, but we had a lot of stuff that happened in one uh, show. So... Uh, if you like what you heard, of course, you can always follow us on Twitter. I'm at WM Sean, Eric at Squid Sport Head, Squid Sports Head for uh, Eric. And of course, uh, go subscribe to the whole W2 Network. You get everything we do. Of course, my video game show uh, that I do with Mark, Video Games to the Max. Of course, you can also listen to that people, the League to the Max. Uh, of course, the League of Legends uh, whole world tournament that has just ended now. Uh, but I'm sure they will keep doing this there. And then, of course, Eric. Oh yeah, we we got our plans for 
the rest of the month and we're gonna have a thing so stay tuned stay tuned that's cool so we got uh eric with that life is like a game show we got the kickoff as well the nfl show if you like the if you like the round ball maybe you like that uh, lemon shaped ball or the the whatever the pig skin and you go uh, watch that or or listen to that. And of course, you got Mark Rallis with all the other entertainment stuff that we, uh, the Eternals review will be there. All of that other thing that you like that are not uh, sports related. Of course, they also cover boxing and wrestling too, if you like that stuff. So we got something for everyone here. And of course, Soccer to the Max, we will be back really fast, really soon on Friday. I got to work that day, so it'll be a late one uh, for the Mexico, U.S., um, probably around this same time covering the U.S. and Mexico game. And then, of course, on Tuesday, that will probably be more around the time of the game finishes uh, for the Jamaica game. We'll be back for that one. Of course, in between, we may or may not have a show on that Sunday. I'm not sure, but we will definitely be back. If not that Sunday, the following Sunday, we'll be uh, talking about uh, the the MLS playoffs. When that starts, so uh, the uh, whatever's been going on, the NWSL final at that point. That's why we may have a show is because there is some stuff that will be going on that we can talk about uh, for that Sunday show in between the U.S. games. So we'll see. We may have a show Sunday. We may not. But definitely Friday we'll be here. Uh, well, not Friday. Probably more like Saturday morning for you guys. I will be here for the Mexico-U.S. Uh, game. Uh, hopefully that's a game that we'll definitely want to be talking about and not some kind of blowout or whatever. Oh, oh you'll US. be able to tell because I'll be live tweeting that one. <laughs> so, so you'll know ahead of time. Yeah, for sure. I'll be able to like watch the first 30 minutes of my break and then I'll have to be kind of sneaking it here and there to watch the rest of it uh, and then have to listen to it on, on the way uh, driving home. But um, yeah, until next Next time on on Saturday morning for the U.S. Mexico. We'll see y'all later. Peace.